Well, I suppose it is really grateful to have Eugene or Lofi Irof, as he's better known on the, the show. Lofi, great to have you. Great to talk rugby again. And we can't wait to hear what you have to say about your career and, and how you see things, especially in the rugby world in South Africa. Lots on the go, lots of opinions. So it's really great to, to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure, Ryan. It's actually great to chat to you. And uh, and I think you guys are doing a wonderful uh, uh, job in the world of sport in our country in a time we really need it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's amazing how things have changed. But yeah, I, I, I would, maybe we can start off with that then. And I know COVID has done a lot of damage. We all know that. And probably people are sick of hearing COVID. But there, there could be one or two maybe positive things that have come out with rugby in South Africa from a COVID perspective? I know that might sound like a crazy question, but do you think there has been some positive that's come out through all of this, this craziness? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, the one thing we must always remember, uh, COVID, we were not the only people that were hampered by it, but most probably, uh, if you look at the seasons, how they were, it had the biggest influence on us um, than the Northern Hemisphere and also uh, Australia and New Zealand. Um, to me, the one positive thing that came out of it is all of a sudden the money baskets got emptier. You know, uh, unions were, were battling financially to pay players to give big contracts. So I think the positive thing for me out of COVID is for maybe uh, the top structure and management in rugby South Africa to reassess the situation and look at our professional uh, legs at the unions, maybe um, – to make it a bit smaller and just improvise on it so that it's affordable, you know, because the the players are the assets of the union, but they were large numbers that were contracted at 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 big numbers. So, to me, the big positive thing that came out of it is most probably um, professional sides are, are going to be a bit smaller, and most probably salary caps, so they can be afforded. Sure, that's going to be interesting, and it might even open up the game that much more. And you know. People have been uh, have been not able to go to stadiums for such a long time. Maybe that whole feeling of wanting to be in a stadium again might encourage more people to go and visit or watch a game live. Do you think, or is there still some work to be done in that regard? No, absolutely. I, the other positive uh, swing that there can be is, you know, what professional rugby did in our country at killed club rugby. So yeah. the path, the path. Look, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll always stay, and I'll stand to what I'm saying now. I think our schools rugby is is so professional, and we one of the top uh, countries. Our schools rugby are, are upstairs. They are there with the guys yeah. right on top. Uh, but what ha- happens after that? Um, say a guy doesn't go to university, so he doesn't play. Um, he doesn't play varsity cup where he can be seen because that's a platform or pathway for players to be seen, or he, he doesn't get contracted by a union, whether it's a premier division or a first division, doesn't get contracted. In, in Anyway, the premier of the first divisions are mostly bankrupt in our country, so the contracts are less. So what their options are is to go abroad, and, and a lot of guys stop playing rugby. So I think we need to reassess the situation and maybe uplift club rugby again and give the guys a pathway the guys that don't go study and uh, get contracts, a pathway that they're also in contention to make it to a, a top side. To be honest with you as well, uh, you know, uh, at 16 years of age, there are already talent identification. And uh, I always think I find it very interesting how they can identify talent at 16. I think those guys are necessarily going to make it uh, in international rugby. I uh, disagree with that. 
because you get some guys that are late bloomers, you know. So, but yeah, I think, absolutely. you know, rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, and we need to accommodate everybody and at least give those boys a pathway as well that don't go to varsity and get contracted, that they have the opportunity to be seen, to maybe get picked up by a union uh, and, and get a chance to play provincial rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in terms of, of numbers, you know, you mentioned the school bay rugby there. There's a heap of schools that play rugby. I mean, there's so many schools that play rugby. So those numbers should be carrying on, you know, club rugby numbers should be full. And then you can pick and say, right, the provinces are full with the best of the best boys here. But like you say, if they just want to get picked at school and go straight to professional, well, it doesn't always work that way. Like you said, there's late bloomers. So, yeah, lots of lots of thinking to be done. And let's see what happens with the upcoming season. Because if I'm not mistaken, if you look at the Curry Cup, it is sort of almost a replica of the Varsity Cup. If I'm saying that very respectfully, quite a long young, lot of youngsters. But we want more of that, don't we? Yes, sir, Ryan. I'm, I've, uh, as, as my passion are young players, mm. not that I don't like senior players, I've worked with senior players as well. I just know how important it is to nurture our young talent and uh, at, at that age, not lose them to play rugby. Uh, let them still be intrigued by the game and enthusiastic by the game and know that they will get opportunities to get great coaching, get up, uh, you know, to, to be in a system where they can improve their game and where they, as I said earlier, uh, be seen. Um, but you must also remember, we've got lots of numbers. We've got our country is filled with rugby players. We've got thousands of rugby players. And there are 15 places in a team. Yeah. And there are, yeah. a squad is 23 to 26 uh, at the unions. I'm not too sure how big the professional side is, but I remember the lines, I think we were 38 contracted players, which is a small group. Um, so... What is going to happen to the rest? And and how are we going to identify the late bloomers? You know, um, so I really think uh, the guys need to put their heads together and see how they can get a pathway because a lot of guys just stop playing rugby. Fortunately, there's also the sevens that they can go into and, and some go into coaching. I think more needs to go into refereeing. And uh, there's, there's also a pathway and maybe technical analysis. So for the guy that's absolutely passionate about rugby, there is a few... Uh, opportunities where they can still be involved maybe and become get into a professional setup. Yeah, definitely. And they, that's the beautiful thing about rugby. There's so many aspects to it. It's not just playing the game, like you mentioned. And maybe, they, yeah, well, not maybe, there should be more awareness about it. Absolutely important. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. But you, yeah, sorry. Maybe an interesting thing that I can tell you now, you just got me thinking is uh, I remember when I just, took over the senior side at the, at the Lions, I think it was in 2006, July. Uh, I actually got two players out of club rugby. And the one became a world-famous Springbok, called Brits. I went to watch uh, inter-varsity game between Martis and Tuckies. And there I saw Aaron Schubert for the first time, who eventually became my captain, and Skull Brits. And later as well, a guy that played, um, that played for Tuckies, Gert Andries van der Merwe, who was a prop. So I, 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 went to, I went to these games to see what talent there was that I thought had potential, of course, with a limited budget. And it's so great to see a guy like Skull Brits who actually went and he played in the World Cup and he, he fulfilled his dream and Aaron's as well. And, you know, and there are a lot of those guys out there. We need to pick them up. Yeah, no, two great names. I mean, Anselman did so well with the Saracens and, you know, Brits. I mean, we don't need to say much more. So, yeah, brilliant. Well done. Yeah. It shows that it works. It can be done. You know, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Excellent. 
or sometimes limited, sometimes limited budget forces you to do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I just love, uh, I also want to come back to what you said about the curry cup that, as we call it in Afrikaans, a bit afgewater. You know what? I've always thought that uh, that we should use the curry cup to uh, to make it the next level for our junior players coming out of under 21. So as you know, the under 20, under 19 leagues a while back was taken away and under 21 was taken away and the guys only had the under 21, under 20 league. And going from under 20 to senior rugby is a huge jump. So I, I, I like it if you have a, have a system where there's under 90s that can be evaluated, under 21s that can be evaluated, and then under 23. And what I like about the Curry Cup, besides the small unions, that, uh, especially when the Springboks are playing, um, a small union that gets a chance to play against these guys when they're a little bit weaker, is that's where you see the raw talent. A guy that that burger has come off of Krikos that is picked up by Jake yeah. and him at the Bulls and so on. And, and that is the pathway for them. So um, I, I enjoy the Curry Cup. You know, there's a lot of criticism on uh, on social media about uh, uh, it's bad rugby. It's not, you know, it's not we far behind. And, and, and some of it was probably is true. But, but also see that there's also the opportunity for a young boy that nobody knows who comes on the, on the scene. Ivan Ruiz, who I think is currently the best athlete in our country. Yeah, well, there we go. You see, so there we go. Because now I wanted to ask about the Lions, but I'm going to come back to it because you said something so true. And I mean, if you look at the current cup, they've been high scoring games. So something's happening, you know, something's happening. But are we not as South Africans perhaps too judgmental or too critical of of rugby? Yes, I know there's things that need to be fixed. We know there's things that need to be fixed. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But I just think like now, are we expecting too much? Um, they want the, the Curry Cup to be this glamorous exhibition of rugby every weekend. It's not possible to do that. Are we too expectant as a nation of what rugby should be? Ryan, I don't think it stops with rugby. I think it's in our DNA. Right. I think we love winning and we love winning well. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, unfortunately, social media has made it an open platform for everybody to mm. to give their point of view. And, you know, uh, it's like spreading rumors sometimes. I don't think a lot of people know how tough it is running a union and keeping everybody happy. Uh, because at the end of the day, that union must also make money. But uh, South African people, we love winners. You know, uh, <laughs> if we win, everybody's happy. If you lose, if, if we win, it's the players. If we lose, it's the coach. And, and yeah. once you lose a few matches, people want change. You know, uh, we are not patient uh, to see uh, this little embryo grow and develop into this wonderful rugby system and play. Uh, you know, we want immediate gratification and, and winning. It doesn't happen overnight. Yes, mm -hmm. if you've got a big budget, you can contract players immediately be in content for, for, for the caption on top. But, but if you really go look at what some other unions are doing, they, they're recruiting the youngsters, bringing them into the junior systems and taking them through. And, and trust me, to, to make that a successful team doesn't happen overnight. Mm. But, but the supporters don't always see that. And, and in a way, sometimes the sponsors also, they want immediate um, uh, success, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, which, is, which is understandable. It's a business. So, um, yeah, it's about strategic planning and it's about setting goals that are realistic for the coaches to to achieve in the place and then to give them uh, the best 
coaching, coaching, you know, the coaches uh, giving the best tools and mechanisms and budgets and systems around them to be able to to achieve their goals. And and I'm also a strong believer that um, we've got a lot of young coaches coming through and they, I mean, that blade is over their heads to get a senior guy to mentor them. Just get a senior guy that has been through the mill um, and I'm not hinting for a job, I've done it. <laughs> I just think uh, those youngsters, it just seems to me that sometimes they get thrown into this spot and they must just go for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember that in my career, Ryan, I coached 10 years amateurs. I started at primary school, high school, university, before I started coaching back again in 21, under 19, and then only up to the seniors. So, and, and, and that it was 10 years amateur sure. and then sure. um, 20 years uh, professional. So it takes time. It also takes time to build that that culture, a union and that, and, and getting all systems go. So we are just impatient. But um, mm. the big thing is we, we, hate, we hate losing. And also we cannot start now saying it's okay to lose. You know, that the new, the new theory of everybody is winners, that is bulldust. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, a ten, if 10 kids run in a race, all 10 can't get certificates for attendance. You get a first, a second, and third, and, and that should inspire the other seven to go for that goal, mm. to work at it. You know, so um, we must not be shy to 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 give credit to those that should get it and to help the others, maybe to achieve it if they've got the the genetics to do it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, very, very good angles there. I enjoy that, uh, Luffy. Very good, but. Um, you know, South Africa's won the World Cup 2019. Lots of the expectation. Really good squad. I think there's a squad that's full of talent. Really, those guys are really good. Um, but are we in a good space? Um, how do you see us doing the rest of the year, especially with the fact that we have to travel away and play Australia and New Zealand later in the year as well? I think, um, I think when any player puts a Springbok jersey over his head, he goes into a next level of, mm. of, of pride, proudness, and willing to put his body on the line for the country. I uh, just want to go back to what we started talking about, how COVID affected us, etc. I think it was the best thing that could have happened to us winning the World Cup in, in yeah. 2019. And all credit to Rossi and to the team and, uh, and everybody. It was fantastic. But that's history. And we cannot dwell on it. It just fell to me because we didn't have rugby in all that period that we stood still and we just, and especially on the, in the media itself, it was just sort of the whole time we are the world champs. That's a fact. Nobody can ever take that away. But it feels maybe uh, that we stagnated a bit and, yeah. uh, and thought we can do what we did then and it will still have the results. Um, but I, I, I promise you, uh, we have, we've got the players. We've got the management. Everything is in place. Again, we must be patient. And let's go through this British and Irish Lions phase. And, and by that time, I'm pretty sure we will be a well-oiled oiled machine and be competitive. I, I must also tell you that the All Blacks have changed their style of playing. Yeah. They've, they, they, uh, they're better conditioned. They play a quicker game. They... Uh, they don't put up too much pods anymore. They have one sort of runners offloading before contact in and after contact, but they keep the ball alive. So they've changed their style. 
And they, if you look at the current rugby that, that we've been watching for the past year, a few months, they look like the team that is going to be difficult to beat now going into this competition. And don't take Australia away. Dave Rennie has done a wonderful work with him. And what he's instilled there is, is game discipline. All of a sudden, there's discipline in the team. Okay, I see you just included Quade Cooper. That's probably that's to have an X. Yes. <laughs> that's most probably that's most probably to have that X factor player in his team. And every team has got that guy. Mm. That guy that he's just he's got that magic. Vili Larue's got that magic. Uh, Henri Petorius had that magic. He's Brian Abanadic, you know, uh, just that that X factor that we will bring in. And Dave Rennie. So so I think that's going to be a fantastic competition and uh, it's going to be tough, tough, tough. And we can travel, man. You know, uh, we've also proved, the history has proven that we can also travel. That's also, uh, you know, a myth that we don't travel well. Yeah, no, for sure. I- interesting. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. But um, do New Zealand sort of set the trend for the new brand of rugby and do other countries follow? Or do countries just sort of feel and play how they is right or are New Zealand really the the thinkers of rugby because the game has changed I agree with you flat out their game has changed are people or other teams going to follow that trend as well well you, you know at the end of the day well, 20 athletes they can have an expansive quick game uh, our strength has always been our, our forwards um, and our our power play uh, and which kept us in the game with the malls and the driving and so on. But but uh, the speed of the game now has evolved. And and to answer your question, yes, New Zealand, everybody loves New Zealand. The All Blacks, the Arca, everything. And there's this aura around it. But mm. they are beatable. Uh, we, we, we don't need to, us as a nation, the rugby nation, should not focus on what they are doing to maybe uh, yeah. uh, to copy that. We should yeah. go look what's what we do different. And I remember... Uh, going to the World Cup with a junior box in 2003. Um, South Africa was not winning that competition. We were, we were actually uh, battling a bit in it. And going into it, everybody said, yeah, New Zealand, uh, they dominate in front and their physicality, they, uh, and, then they, and then they overwhelm you and then they start running. So, so, so our goal was to take them on in their own game. Uh, and we scrum them and we... We actually physically took them on and we turned them around and, and fortunately we won that game. So uh, in, that, in that way, we were the trendsetters, but that was the athletes, you know, the best part of the season, those guys were there. So we had them. So, um, so one, it's easy to say we should change and do this, but it should be compatible with the quality and the, uh, you know, the players' abilities. Mm. We got speed. I mean, I mean, we've got two of the fastest and most probably most best wings in the world. Yeah. And uh, not, they, they net, they're not getting ball from set phase. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they're not yeah. getting a ball, an OT ball from a line out or from a scrum, just a set move. Mm. And I would love to see them in space and not only from turnover ball or broken play or kick chase sort of. Uh, and I think, I think that's what everybody wants to see. You know, at the end of the day, if you win, it doesn't matter how it is. You want to win, but it's also great to win spectacularly with tries. Yeah. No, for sure. We'd love to see our, our wingers making the most of it and doing what they're capable of doing. They can really set a game a lot. That's true. Um, but you talking about winning World Cups and things like that, you, you've won two Junior World Cups in South Africa. I don't know any, too many people have done that. Success is part of your, your coaching makeup, isn't it? I've been lucky, man. 
<laughs> but it's, it's actually it's actually so funny. I forgot about it. We we should have won. We should have won three in a row. And the yeah. second one, yeah, the second one when we came third. Luckily, we beat English or England for the uh, for the third position. Um, but you know they say if you come third, it's like kissing your sister. Um, <laughs> so in the match against New Zealand, we actually by accident. I played PSP's uh, wing. He was phenomenal. And against France, he broke his arm, and France beat us that day. So we played against New Zealand, and we were ahead. And actually, Alvin Hollenbach, I saw on social media a few days ago, reminded me of that, um, where they scored a try. That was not a try. The guy dropped the ball, but there was no TMOs. So, and then New Zealand beat France with 60 points in the final. So, yeah, that's the one we missed. But, you know, a, a coach, it's not about me as a coach or you as a coach. It's a coach that can that can get those players, uh, his squad, to get the best out of them, for the guys to play above their ability, play for each other, play for the country and play for, you know, for the for for the coaches and so on. You know, it's, a, it's about respect and trust that they have. And, um, yeah, so uh, if you get that right, if you get that right, uh, half of the, the fight is won. You know, a lot of a lot of coaches really put in hard work. They they put in effort and they really coach the boys well. And that magic's just not happening. And I, I always say, just before you start coaching, create that environment for your players where they enjoy to work in or to be coached in. And secondly, the most important of all is build a relationship of trust and respect for each other, vice mm. versa. Once that is in place, then then it's as if it's easier to work with the boys. You know, and um, yeah, it was that the first one in 2003, Paul Dalport was the captain and nobody gave us a chance. I think we had a 10% chance according sure. to the media and so on. Um, and then in 2005 with Alistair Greaves again against New Zealand there, they had a young boy in, I think he was 10 and 9, Francis Tane dropped from the halfway line. So yeah, um, you can, it's like a chef. You can take two chefs and give them each the same ingredients and say, right, cook up a storm. The one's food is going to be great. The other one's going to be less great. <laughs> but a, a, a coach is just a facilitator that needs to have a strategic mind and apply that in a tactical way to get the best out of every play. And as I said again, uh, the years everybody wanted to play like the Brumbies, they didn't have the athletes to play like the Brumbies. The Brumbies, they have those athletes. So to the young coaches, just, just go check what your strings are, who your runners are, who your carries are, your X-Factor players and build around that. And your leaders. Very important thing. In the years we did well, a lot of head boys, vice head boys. Okay. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the other guys were not good at their leadership on the field. Um, played a big role, and I think that might might be something that's lacking now uh, in rugby. That we um, just pointing guys as leaders that is not necessarily equipped to do it. Yeah, sure. That's interesting because I see that they've also picked the SA under eighteen side as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they do, where they end up going. I'm actually not too sure where they're going, who they're going to be playing. But yeah, I hope that that, that filters through because that's what I was going to ask you as well. You know, really good under 20 setup. You've done well. Now they've got the SA under 18 guys. I hope that we see those guys going on and maybe not necessarily playing for South Africa, but contributing to the game, playing professionally, yeah. not just stopping at SA 18 and saying, I'm done. Let's. I hope we can hear more stories of what you said about guys just going on and winning and we keep keep that trend going because winning is a bit of a culture. It's, I know it's in our culture, but winning is a culture, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a habit. But so is losing. And we can have it. Um, so the under-18s, um, I'm so glad they are, they picked that squad. I'm so happy. And I know a lot of people say, yes, but how could they pick them with no rugby? They've picked them on, on years of uh, of that uh, of schools rugby and so on. And and what the guys did in their tests. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. And I'm, I'm happy for the boys after two difficult years that they're getting an opportunity. They're going to Georgia. Now, Georgia is not going to test us. They didn't test us when they were here, and they're not going to test us. But the guys are going to get the experience to tour and to play international rugby. Mm. Um, it's, it's, I think, also, uh, to be realistic, uh, the Northern Hemisphere have been dominating the Junior World Cups. And France, uh, Junior Rugby has made a step up. England is up, the, uh, up there. We've actually taken a little bit of a dip. Uh, but those competitions is like a once-off, you in or out. And then yeah, uh, New Zealand also took a, a dip at those uh, competitions. So we need to re-establish our, our power in um, in those junior international competitions. And um, and I think because of the success France had in those competitions, they most probably will be the, uh, the team for the World Cup uh, in 2023 in France. They will be the... They will be the danger team. Is it 2023? Great. I think so, yes. Uh, yeah, they will. The, the scary part is, and that brings me back what I said quite early in our, our chat, is that of those few years that I've been involved with the junior rugby, uh, SA Junior Under-19s, uh, winning the, the World Cup twice and, and then a third once, and then once we were not in contention, um, of those and not a lot of players became Springboks. I can actually okay. point them out on my, on my one hand. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to become box. But one or other way, and I think because there again, because a vast amount of players we have all on that level. And the interesting thing is you get a lot of natural, brilliant players, and they just keep on doing their thing, always in the team, always in the leaderships. And, this little, and that's why I inspire young boys that are not, not most probably favorites in all that, top natural athlete to work hard. It's actually interesting to see how they pass them just by hard work and dedication, determination, discipline, and, and desire. How badly do you want it? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, New Zealand, that I've got a smaller group of players. Uh, I actually went through the list uh, a few months ago. About 80% of their juniors become senior All Blacks. Sure. Sure. So uh, if you take that in comparison. Wow. Okay. Well, they're doing something that works, and uh, yeah, we all know it works for New Zealand. So yeah. But I think it's a. Yeah. I think it's the fact that they have uh, they've got less resources and less players to pick from, True. so they have to bring them through the system. Look, uh, they, there's no doubt that their uh, their system does work well for them. Also, the the system of their coaches, coming from junior level, uh, Steve Hansen, Dave Rennie, all those guys, coaching junior All Blacks then going up to the seniors, you know, the system works for them. And what they do, what they do very well is um, they share. So uh, their top coaches at the franchises um, from the director of rugby at, at New Zealand, uh, they share all the information and the latest trends and they share a, a lot. I think we can also um, pick up on that. Definitely. Yeah. Sharing information is very important. And yeah, it boosts internet definitely. Um but maybe you could shed some light on, on the, the lines at the moment. And Lofi, I mean, like you mentioned, you, you coached there. And at one stage, you know, they were such a, and I still think they're one of the strongest franchises in South Africa, but they were in Super Rugby finals and dominating in the Carica. 
but things aren't quite what they should be at the moment. What's happened there, do you feel? What's gone a bit wrong? Yeah, I, I think, again, uh, in perspective, you cannot always be on top. You lose players, they get older, they finish. Uh, you need to have a, a continuity plan of young players come through. And unfortunately, when the next uh, generation of players come through, it takes a while. It took, I think, eight years to build the lines up to that franchise where they played in, I think, nearly eight to ten years, where they played in, in the Super Rugby Finals. And won the Curry Cup and so on. I, unfortunately, we lost the Curry Cup in injury time in 2007 against the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein. Mm. Um, uh, so it takes time to build up. And, you know, um, the first thing, uh, you have to always, uh, you have to, uh, uh, what's apples with apples. Uh, currently, uh, the two wealthiest unions, it seems, in our country are the Bulls and the Sharks. And you must give them credit for the uh, business sense that they've brought into it. Uh, it seems like Western Province missed out on that one opportunity. Uh, one will never know. And I must be honest with you, I don't know. But if you don't have budget, then you've got a problem. And, and you must always go look at the amount of, of Springbok players that are contracted at a union versus an, another one. Um, and I think the Lions are in a rebuilding phase of players. They've got some great young players coming through. They've got a young um, coaching staff that's coming through. And, uh, and uh, again, coming back, maybe uh, they need a uh, – Australia must probably can take on that role of director of rugby to, to lead the, uh, the young coaches. And uh, from experience, you know, it's a tough life. I actually wrote an article many years ago, The Lonely Life of a Head Coach, because it becomes lonely. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and um, – if you say it's one of my, I'm a lion. I'm, I, I grew up in Johannesburg, so I'm a born lion. I played there and I coached there and that's my place. Always be my place. Uh, Johannesburg per se is not the easiest place to recruit players to come to. It, uh, uh, it, 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 it's just not. Um, uh, and secondly, you need the budget to do it. Yeah. And I think uh, it seems like uh, the, the budget is not there to... Uh, to get the players that they want in, in certain strategic positions. And that was, that's what Jake has done at, uh, at the Bulls. And, that's, and that's, that's intelligent. I know a lot of people say they just buy in. But, mate, if your job is on the line and your, your province's uh, sponsors are on the line, you buy and you get the best to be the best. Uh, and that's the, what professional rugby is about. You know, if the unions, the smaller unions, cry about losing players, I... Uh, I, I had to sit and listen to Brian O'Banner saying that he's leaving for the Bulls. Vikas Parien leaving to the Bulls. Uh, Joe van Niekerk leaving to the Bulls. And we could not compare the salaries. And that is, yeah. uh, uh, that is uh, Jacques Fourier. And that is what a professional sport is about. You don't cry. You played a big part in their lives. And, um, and it's about who's got the biggest uh, coffer with, with, with money, you know, so that you can buy the best players. Um, but I do, I, I do think the, the Lions are in a building up phase. Um, and one of the things also, I, I will never criticize coaches or management. Not that I'm afraid to do it. Uh, it's just I've been there and I know how tough it is when, you know, there's an old saying, when a, when a guy's down, you don't kick him. You, no, you take him by the hand and you, 
and you you help him reinvent himself. And uh, and I I think it's just a question of time, and and they'll be back where they are. But it's not going to happen overnight. No. And and, I, and I'm not even talking about Western Province, uh, where I live now. Uh, they're going through the same problem, you know. They've still got some top players. So the interesting thing is, in in, in my time when I coached the, the Lions, we had two Springboks, actually three at the most, but uh, two. And that was Andre Pretorius and Jacques Fourier. And then you play against the Bulls, they got 13 Springboks. Play against the Sharks, they got 10 Springboks. Play against the Blues, they got 14 All Blacks. Play against the Brummies, they got 12, um, 12 Wallabies. So that's what I mean with the apples and apples. And, you know, I know there was a David and Goliath fight uh, before our time. And the, the small one beat the big one, but uh, you have to be realistic in rugby. You have to, uh, the, the guys must be in par. Yeah, again, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting because there again, like, we see the Lions do well and we want them to do well again next season because, you know, we want to see that ex- great rugby. And, you know, I mean, it was exciting and it is exciting watching the derby when the Lions play the balls. I mean, it's a fantastic derby. Yeah. But yeah, again, you see, you see how quickly we get to point fingers and say, ah, they must win. <laughs> anyway. But that, that again much. comes from our DNA. We just yeah. want to win. And that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I must tell you, the Lions supporters, even from my, from, from my time, uh, and I don't have to bring that up the whole time, mm. are the most loyal supporters you get. They mm. are just loyal through thick and thin. Yeah, there you'll get the odd guy that will uh, throw his toys out of the cot. Um, but that's what support is about. Uh, again, coming back to communication, I think that one should also have open communication line with your supporters and tell them what's going on what's not going on, you know, that's one thing I learned from the military uh, long before your time, Ryan, that, uh, you know, the generals make the decision and the lieutenants on the floor got no idea why they did it, uh, how they did it, and what they want to achieve with it. So information is a very, very important thing to go right down to bottom level. And that's why coaches also need to be on the ground with the players. Sure. No, very true. Very, very true. But then again, um, you know, slightly different uh, topic here, although it's still rugby, but it's sevens rugby. Lafayette, you want to get your opinion here. And it was a bit upsetting to see us get knocked out of the Olympics when we really thought, we're going we're gonna to get a medal here. We should get a medal. And we lose to Argentina with six men on the field. Um, unconditional support. Where do we draw the line? Because, I mean, the, the, you'll watch these guys. They'll bounce back and they'll probably win the next 10 competitions that are when the, you know when the sevens league kicks up again but uh, you know at a big event like that how do we handle that how do we say i mean goodness me you you want to get a medal at the olympics surely yeah you know that the, the country is disappointed mm. we expected more <laughs> but that expectation you know those players you know players are humans yeah and they read in the media they read in the media that uh that South Africa should be very close to gold and we've got the team and this is the year and all that. And rugby is a funny game. On, on any given day, any team can lose against a strong side, can lose against the weak side. And, you know, going to that game when we lost, regardless, you know, everybody says it's because we've been, um, because Neil was ill uh, or he had to uh, coach via um, Zoom and the players don't look conditioned. There's everything is said, but I mean, those players were well prepared. They were there. It just didn't happen for them. 
And mm-hmm. I guess what they will do now is go sit down and say, right, where did we go wrong? Is it the conditioning? Is it our game? Is it our players? Uh, is it our structures? Uh, that's what they will do. And um, there are a lot of guys that have been uh, identified individual sport to get gold that are gone, that are not even in the bronze. That is sport. It's not a thing that you, it's not a computer where you can set up a thing and you know you're going to get that result. It's humans that you're working with. There are a lot of factors that, that are taking in consideration. To me, uh, it's just disappointing. It would have been great for our country and for the team, for their hard work throughout the years, that they uh, get a medal. And it didn't happen. It's not the end of the world. Nobody died. Our egos will be okay. And uh, we'll be back, as you said. Yeah, watch those guys win championship after championship, you know, when that sevens tournament kicks again. I mean, they're good. They're really good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just something we had experience, I guess. And life is full of lessons. So we, this is a lesson we had to learn and we carry on with it. So yeah, interesting times. But Lofi, um, I believe you had some, some skills that you can also play the guitar, can't you? <laughs> oh no. Now I can play a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you heard that, but uh, <laughs> now, so so I grew up in Edenwell, which is in Oersrand, and uh, I played guitar since I was ten. Had a garage band, so uh, yeah, my music was always part of part of my uh, life, and I think uh, my that is my stress reliever, and was also sometimes uh, um, it's just lucky to take your guitar and. and and play rock and roll. You know, I come, I was born in the late 50s, so I come from the hippie era on the rock and roll era. <laughs> I never smoked anything and I never drank any, never took drugs, but they taught me to drink Brannaman and Coke, you know, so which actually, <laughs> it went well with the music we played <laughs> in those years. I'm talking about my young student yeah. years at RAU. <laughs> no, here we go. Now, everyone's got a story to them, so it's good to hear a bit of yours there. That's good. But one skill of yours as well, Rafi, is that you're always prepared to you know, help out as much as you can, go around assisting people, growing their skills. And that's part of the rugby culture as well, isn't it? Going there, helping where you can. Yeah, I think, I think uh, one thing that if you've been there and you've got a passion for that, you must give back. You know, a lot of people say we must give back. Give. It's easy to talk it, but to me, uh, of my 31 years experience, I feel I've got a lot that I can give back to players, making decisions to young coaches. Um, so I don't force myself on anyone. But if, if I get calls from parents or from a coach or from a player, I take it. And I, if, if I can give him one word, that inspires him or gives him hope or maybe redirects him, uh, then, I, then I've achieved my goal. So, yeah, um, and, and my passion is the youth, you know, um, because, you know, with, with everything happened that happened in our country with COVID and so on, it's taken a lot of, of, um, of the zest of the young boys, you know, yeah. not being and, – and girls, you know, uh, not playing sport, which was their outlet and uh, – and all of a sudden, they are demoted. A lot of depression in the youth has never been there. So, so I think uh, if you've been in a position where you've had experiences and life lessons um, and you can give something back that can help any individual to become a better person or maybe guide him or whatever, do it. So 
I've actually had an 18-year military career as well. So I've been, I've been around the block to be able sometimes to have good judgment. But I'll also tell you that I've had some bad judgment as well. You know, that's part of the learning. Yeah, in, in life. You know, the big thing is uh, if you bump your head or, or you're down, don't quit. Just mm-hmm. go again. You know, uh, my, my philosophy was based on the, on the five L's. And the last L is actually a funny story. It's, it's love. I get the place to love each other and care for each other and the management. Learn. Be hungry to learn. And Brian Banner will tell you he had to, uh, he had to go research Brian O'Driscoll. L- uh, uh, labor. What you sow, you will reap. Nothing comes cheap. There's no shortcut in life. Mm. Work hard. You will be laughter. You know, the professional, the professional job environment is so tough, that precious. So the laughter is gone. The humor it's gone because you just, I have to keep my job. I'm, we're losing. How are we going to change that? Humor's gone. The laughter is gone. Sure. And then leave. Uh, I was fired on a lamppost on my way to Alice Park to prepare the guys for, um, for the bridge. And I never, I never had remorse about that. And, and there for the first time in my life, I actually understood the last L, leave. And that's what I'm going to also tell you, Ryan, when you get in life, when you get to a crossroads, uh, or to this mountain that you think you cannot climb over. Just change direction and go again. And that's, that's fortunately, and, and you know that that opens new horizons and uh, opportunities like in my sense from coming from the Lions always is my franchise. They gave me the opportunity, Doc Late, the late Doc Late, who I had so much respect for, gave me the opportunity to coach there. And because of that, I got the opportunity to coach the baby box. So that was fantastic. And then from there, I came to Bouillon's. To coach, and then I went to America to coach. So it's been it's been good for me, you know. And um, and I'm turning 64 in October. It's, it's time for me to, as, as older coaches, should take from that IQ that we have and EQ and all the cues you have, um, and just you know take it over uh, to the next generation of coaches. You know, you don't want their jobs. You don't want them to step in the same pitfalls that you have, maybe. Uh, you know, because of loyalty and because of what you believe in. No, for sure. No, excellent. Lofi, no, you, it's, you make so much sense there and it's excellent. Yeah, um, and it's good that you are giving back like you, you mentioned. Yeah, and it, and it is amazing what the, the, the lessons we do learn through rugby, through meeting people, but it's a willingness yeah. to learn. I think that's so important. Maybe not everyone wants to adjust to it just yet, but I think as people are Moving on in day and age, it's becoming more of a realization. Hey, you know, change your strategy a bit here or there. So yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Totally makes sense. Be, ad- be adaptable. Be flexible. Yeah, no, for sure. But Lofi, as we sort of draw towards an end, um, I know you said that you you're not coaching anymore, but but you must be keeping yourself busy with one or two things. Yes, um, uh, I've I've actually two two months before COVID uh, popped out of the blue, I started a company called Elite Sport Mentorship mentoring coaches and players and the whole idea was to bring teams from america because uh i think the youth needs to be educated bring them from america south north america europe and they come on like in a 14 days uh high performance uh course where they play games school boys i'm talking about under 14 under 16 under 18 where they play three matches and you know if it's a if it's a school from if, if it's not a strong school, I won't let them play against Gym or Paul Boys or other schools. I'll go to the Platland and let them play in Breda's Dorp or Moriesburg, one of those teams. And that was the whole 
that was the whole plan that we had. And then also I'm, uh, I'm mentoring a few, two international coaches and uh, I did a fantastic project. I'm actually still busy, busy with it at Kuro Longabon. Um, we were trying to instill a, a rugby culture, but it's actually more just a culture of enjoying what you do. Because if you don't enjoy what you do, you're doing, you shouldn't do it. Um, so, and it was fantastic. Unfortunately, again, we were, but the, the team started off kicking off with two wins where teams that in, in the past that they couldn't win. So I'm busy with that. And as I said, um, daily, I, uh, I, I try and be involved as I can. Um, we try and keep our social media uh, alive with realistic um, information. Uh, I've also got a good relationship with uh, Yonder Quinning at the Rugby 365, and we also talk rugby often over coffee. And uh, yes, and um, and I'll, I'll never go out of the sport in the sense that uh, if I can help someone, I will keep on doing it. Mm, mm, mm. Excellent. Well, yeah, I think they're very lucky to have you and get your experience and, and partake of that and get more involved and see what life is all about. And yeah, I mean, that must be such a good experience. So it's awesome. You, Lofi, keep going. And yeah, I no, think you change many people's lives in that regard. So it's, it's excellent. Well done. Good stuff. No, thank you very much. It was great chatting to you, man. No, no. Thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. And let's hope the book could do it this weekend. We need to. <laughs> We need to, but yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's yeah. tough. But I think, um, I mean, geez, I haven't coached at your level. I think um, Jacques Linard has also got more, he's looking further ahead, I think. I think he's also got plans ahead, like, like you mentioned, example yeah. of the Lions. Yeah. I mean, this is a great occasion. I'm sure he wants to win it, but also yeah. I think he's also bringing his sort of approach to coaching. Yeah, and I think it's momentum. Well, let's see how Saturday goes. You, you never know. Yeah, I think every coach, when he starts uh, a new episode in his life, he wants to start with a win. Yes. But if you kick off after COVID against the British and Irish Lions, who are still upset with us because we won the World Cup, you must yeah. know they're coming for us. But we'll yeah. be coming for them. It's, it's in our DNA. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, you right. Thank you so much, my man. You take care. Eh?